My name is Larry Frick, and I um, am Director of Medical Missions with uh, Go International, which is a mission agency over in Wilmore, Kentucky, and I lead the, the medical teams for Go, and I'm just uh, happy to be here to share a little bit about what we've learned about incorporating spiritual ministry into short-term medical teams. Um, as we get started uh, this afternoon, I'd like to, to have us begin in just a word of prayer. Um, Lord, uh, we come to you now, and I just pray that uh, you be at work among us right now. Um, I just pray that your spirit will enlighten our minds and our hearts with the understanding that you want us to have, that we might be able to be more effective in, in doing your will in this place. pray that you anoint the words that I speak, uh, and I pray that um, you'll use me to say what you want to say and, and not say what you don't want said. And that you open all of our hearts that we will hear, not just words from a speaker, but words from you about how you want us to uh, minister to the people that you love, uh, wherever we are. We just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many here have been on a short-term medical mission trip? Pretty fair amount. How many have led short-term teams? Okay, good. So there are a lot of people in this room that can add to the discussion, and if we, I hope we have some time at the end for, for your ideas and your thoughts about how we can better incorporate spiritual ministry into to what we do in, in short-term uh, medical mission trips. Uh, one of the, the first uh, questions I think we need to answer is, why do we even have this topic? Most of the time, when I've talked to people that have come, especially maybe from their first uh, medical mission experience, and so it's a, a medical team, they want to start talking about things like how many patients we saw or what cool new diseases that, that we saw or what about conditions for healthcare care in, in this place or that. And as medical people, we get all excited about that, and that's, that's why we're in medicine, and, and that's what excites us, and that's what we often think about with, with medical missions. But it gets pretty easy sometimes to forget that we are doing this because we're in a mission and that we have to incorporate spiritual ministry. That's what distinguishes what we do from what medical relief agencies do. There are a lot of groups around the world that do very good medical relief work, and uh, those are great and helpful to people, but, but they're not mission. And so what we need to do is remember why, that, why we're in um, medical missions. Um, so the first uh, question really is why do we incorporate spiritual ministry in short-term medical missions? And as we said, the whole purpose of missions is not just the medical care, or not just whatever other tasks we do, but the whole purpose of what we do is ultimately we want to introduce people to Jesus Christ. When we think about incorporating spiritual ministry with health care and with medical missions, first thing we have to recognize is that Jesus himself is our example. Uh, very early in Jesus' ministry, in Matthew 4.23, we see this passage. It says that Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So Jesus himself incorporated spiritual ministry together with a healthcare ministry. 
I'm just going to read this passage uh, that explores this a little bit further. It's in Luke uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 17 through 26. It says, One day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present with them to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When he could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? But you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, and took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Now, there's a lot in this passage we could talk about that could take up all the rest of our time and even probably the next session as well. Uh, but there are a couple things that uh, I think relate a lot to, to what the point I want to get across today. You know, Jesus was there, and it says that the power was on him for healing. And as a family doctor, I go through days where sometimes I don't feel like I have power on me for healing anything. You see people with chronic diseases, things that we can try to help, we try to alleviate suffering, maybe prevent future harm, but we're not seeing people that are paralyzed get up and walk. We're not seeing always that kind of healing. So it's amazing to me, the doctor in me that sees this story, and you know Jesus was in a groove. He's healing people, he's seeing good things happen, and the natural thing is to be really excited about what God is doing and seeing people healed. So it's really interesting that when they bring this man who is paralyzed, he has an obvious medical problem. He's paralyzed. We know what the problem is. And he obviously needs a lot of help. And so Jesus is in this groove. The Holy Spirit's on him. He's been healing all morning. And you think the first thing he's going to do is just, man, man, I can help this guy. We're going to get him up and walk. What does Jesus do? He blows right past that and gets to his problem that he really needed healing for, which is his sin. And so Jesus is an example of how important it is to really look at the spiritual need of the people that we serve, even when we're going there to provide medical care and and healing. And so I think that's just a passage that has a lot of other good things to teach us, but in this context really shows us the power of incorporating uh, spiritual ministry uh, while we're trying to help people uh, physically. Some other reasons why we would want to incorporate spiritual ministry with short-term medical missions is that not only was Jesus our example, but we could say, well, that was Jesus, and that was for him. That he did it as an example, but he also commanded us to do the same thing. In Luke 9, 1-2, he tells the disciples, he said, he called the twelve together, He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. 
And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So again, there's that combination of physical ministry and spiritual ministry. And I think that's his call to all of us in this room as we think about medical missions, uh, whether we go short-term, long-term, a combination thereof, that we go out to, to heal diseases and to help people with their, their problems that, that we're called to help them with, but that while we're doing that, we're preaching the kingdom of God. Another reason why we want to incorporate spiritual ministry in short-term medical missions is the fact that good medicine demands that we address both physical and spiritual needs. Um, there are many, many studies in the medical literature now that point out that religious involvement is associated with positive health outcomes, and that's seen in numerous studies. There are lots of good resources out there. Uh, one book, if you'd like to explore this, is called The Faith Factor by um, Dr. Dale Matthews. There are many other out there that, that um, give you insight into what the, the research and literature say about how important it is that we address spiritual needs as well as physical needs, that a person's spiritual health can often be a big determinant of their physical health. So just for good medicine, we really need to incorporate uh, spiritual ministry and short-term medical missions. And probably, for me, the biggest thing is that we desire long-term impact. I really wish that we could almost get this term, short-term missions, totally out of our vocabulary. Because what we're really going for is a long-term impact. And, yeah, at certain times we may be there for shorter times than others, but, but the whole point is a long-term impact. And not only for, for this world, but, but even for eternity. Uh, Matthew 16 um, that uh, Rick Donald touched on just a little bit ago this morning. He said, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits its soul? What good for that paralytic to be able to get up and walk? And yes, he's going to be able to walk for the rest of his natural life here on earth. But in the end, if he forfeits its soul, it's, he forfeits his soul, that is still no good. So... We want long-term impact from all that we do, and the way to do that in short-term medical missions is to we focus on the spiritual uh, ministry as well. I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but the problem is that there are barriers that keep us when we're trying to do a short-term medical outreach and keep us always from focusing on the spiritual aspect of what we do. One of those barriers is language. Many times we're working in a culture where we don't know the language. And so if we're going in with a short-term team, yes, we have interpreters, but oftentimes we don't know the language as a, a long-term worker in that culture might know. And so language can be a barrier to, to, short-term, uh, to spiritual ministry and short-term missions. Just the, the time factor and the urgency of the medical needs can overwhelm us and distract us from any thought of uh, spiritual ministry. We have a lot of patients, they're very sick, we're trying to get, get people seen, trying to get lots of teeth pulled, trying to get lots of people taken care of, and the time and the urgency just really get after us, you know. Um, a waiting room full of people like that and many more will often uh, make it very hard for us to, to focus on their spiritual needs. Another factor is cultural competency, and that's something we really need to strive to, to think about is that not only could there be a language barrier, but there can be a cultural barrier. What is the most effective way to reach people for Christ in a particular culture? 
And if we're going somewhere, especially in a short-term setting, we may not be familiar with that culture. And so we really have to, to address some of those issues if we're going to have effective uh, spiritual ministry. We've talked about this a little bit. Expectation of the team members, the people that are involved in this short-term mission. You know, we've got medical people. They want to go save the world. We're kind of wired up that way sometimes. And so we really get focused on what we're going to do medically, whether it's a dental outreach, medical outreach. It could be a surgical team. We get really focused on that, and that's really good, but we don't have the expectation necessarily that we're also there to do spiritual ministry. And so that, if those expectations aren't set, that's a barrier. Another factor can be the expectations of our national ministry partners. Uh, Our partners that host our teams that we work together with on the ground are very excited to have a medical team come. They've seen their community or their village suffer with disease for many years. Their ministry has not been able to address it. Now they've got this medical team coming that's going to help their people. And so they can also get very focused on the medical aspect, the physical aspect of what's going on. And so they may not have really thought through the spiritual impact that this bringing this medical team can have for their people. And so they get really focused on, on just treating people and seeing numbers of people. Uh, Pastor Lucio here in Aguatia, Peru is a dear friend, good man. The first time we had a medical team there, though, I remember on the first day, he came up to me about halfway through that morning. He was like, you know, mas pacientes, doctor, you know, more patients, let's go. You know, he was really trying to, you know, we had long people. People were, were counting on him and his ministry, bringing in this medical team to get their needs met. And it created an expectation on him that, that we had to talk about and, and work through about how we're going to do spiritual ministry while still trying to minister to the most number of sick people that we could. And then the expectation of the patients that were there to serve. You know, they're there coming to get their pain relieved or their sickness cured or, or whatever it is. And so they, that's their expectation. And so they're expecting, you know, a certain type of, of ministry. And they haven't come there necessarily thinking about spiritual ministry themselves or, or how that is. So sometimes that's a barrier to, to effective uh, spiritual ministry. Another thing when we start to talk about spiritual ministry is... To whom are we ministering? Um, Of course, we tend to think about the people that we're there to serve, which would be our patients and their families and that community. But we also need to think about spiritual ministry for our ministry partners and the national medical staff that we may be working with. And so that's another important aspect of spiritual ministry. And then the other big group that we want to talk about, and this is especially something for those of you that lead teams to think about, is how do we minister to the team? Because a lot of the barriers that we talked about in terms of culture and language, those barriers are not there for that team. So actually the group that we have the most potential impact on can be the team itself. Now it's important to to understand this balance because if that becomes our primary goal, then again, I don't think that that's missions. I mean, our, our goal in missions is to take the gospel to people that haven't heard. And so, you know, while we're thinking about ministering to the team, we don't want to turn this into an elaborate retreat for the people on the team. Uh, there's a lot of other ways to do that that, that are less expensive and, and, and less involved. So our focus is ministry to the people that are there to serve, and we're going as servants, but... In that process, God is going to open hearts and open minds, and we need to be prepared to minister to to those that he takes with us and and minister to that team. So we'll talk about each of those categories a little bit. 
The first thing we need to realize when we're talking about how best to minister spiritually to the patients that we're serving is that partnership with our national partner. Um, we really need to take our, our, our lead from our partners um, for lots of, of reasons. Um, they're going to be there to minister long after we're gone. Um, you know, a facet of our ministry at Go International that we really value and focus on is working through partnership. And I think that's an important value for all short-term missions, uh, whatever group you're, you're going with, that, that we have a long-term uh, and in-country partner that we work with. And they're going to be there to minister long after we're gone, so we really need to, to learn from them, take our cues from them, talk to them. You know, we're thinking about doing this. Will that work effectively in this culture? Will that create problems for you? follow up after we're gone. You know, what's the best way to work in this situation? That's really important. Especially in those areas where you may be, if you're working in a potentially closed country or an area that might be somewhat <coughs> hostile to the gospel, you really have to take your lead from, from the national ministry partner as far as what's appropriate, what type of evangelism is appropriate, what's not in that culture, and, and how we uh, minister to people. Um, we really don't want to come in and just have our preconceived, you know, American, this is the way we do it, kind of attitudes because we can sometimes cause a lot of harm. So we can prevent a lot of harm if we take our lead from our ministry partners. Of course, we've talked about this a little bit already. They already know the language and, even more importantly, the culture. And so getting their input and getting their guidance and letting them take the lead in the spiritual ministry is really important. They're also in charge of follow-up. Any spiritual ministry that we do is only going to be as good as the follow-up that happens over time after we're gone. You know, the Great Commission says that we're to go into all the world and make disciples. And that word I don't think is chosen lightly in that scripture. It doesn't say we're to go to make converts or go to make believers. We're not to go to minister to people to get them to pray a prayer or, or anything like that. We're to make disciples. And the, making disciples is a process, not an event. And... So follow-up to any spiritual ministry we do is extremely important, probably the most important step. And so that's where, again, working with our ministry partners becomes extremely important. Now, on the other hand, this can be also a ministry training opportunity for our partners. The pastors can, this can be a great opportunity for them to motivate their church people in spiritual ministry as well. And so working with them to figure out how to do that. And we can all, it can also be a training opportunity for us to help them and being more effective in their spiritual ministry. So it's uh, another aspect of the ministry. Sometimes we have to help them see this as an opportunity for spiritual impact. Again, they, they may be so overwhelmed with the physical needs of the people they're serving that, you know, like some of us, when we go on our medical teams, especially at first, we get focused on the, the physical needs and, and lose sight of that spiritual impact. And so sometimes, even though we're taking our lead from them, we may need to help them. They've never had a medical team. Maybe they've just never seen it as a, an opportunity for spiritual ministry, so we can help them uh, to do that. There are lots of different ways that we can do spiritual ministry to patients, especially in the setting of a short-term medical clinic. Uh, probably one of the more common ways and, and best opportunities is the fact that there's usually going to be big crowds and there's usually lots of time where people are waiting. And so some way of presenting the gospel to people while they wait um, can be really effective. Um, and there's lots of ways to do that. 
One is to teach our team members uh, to give testimonies and uh, giving them opportunities to do that. Uh, there are just some very simple uh, uh, ways out there to train people to give a testimony that can be fairly short, not intimidating for them, but, but to help people to hear the gospel. Uh, just simply teaching people to tell about what their life was like before Christ, how they came to Christ, and what their life is like now. A very simple way to help people to be able to begin to share their testimony. And that can be you know, very effective when team members do that. There are also lots of tools out there for uh, spiritual ministry and especially for evangelism that you can use in conjunction with uh, your short-term medical teams. Um, one that we've used a lot with uh, GHO and our Go International teams is, is Evangicube, and there's a website, if you're not sure about it, called Evangicube, and it's just a very simple visual gospel presentation. Um, a lot of people have used, like, the gospel bracelets, and, and maybe we've seen those kind of things. Uh, another one um, that has been very effective around the world in leading people to Christ is the Jesus film. Um, so there are all kinds of different ways, and there's many others that, that I haven't listed, and, and we could probably all go around the room and, and share different uh, tools that we've used. There are lots of tools out there that can assist us in uh, uh, presenting the gospel to people, and some of these can be worked into the, the medical clinic setting. Um, a gospel presentation by a pastor, and that can be you know, a pastor that's come along with the team or preferably really our national ministry partner, or maybe a combination of them doing, uh, doing things together um, can be really helpful. Another way that some medical teams have incorporated medical ministries to actually have a, a spiritual counseling station sort of as part of their clinic flow. And so what you'll see in some places is a team will come in and they will have, you know, maybe patients register. And then before they go see the doctor or dentist or the eye clinic, they will go and have uh, spiritual counseling or some kind of spiritual presentation, usually one-on-one -on -one or in small groups. Um, the benefit of that is the smaller group setting, which is really good. And another benefit of doing things that way is the fact that the, you get the opportunity to make sure that everyone that comes through is ministered to. And this can be done, done by team members or preferably, again, by our, our national ministry partner or both working together. Um, there are some potential pitfalls with this approach that I think we need to think through and um, you at least need to think about and, and pray about and uh, um, uh, do it carefully when you're going to do this. And one concern I have, that especially if we do this up front in a clinic, is creating an expectation on the part of the patients that we want a certain response from them or else they're not going to get the medical care that they're there to get. In other words, you can set up the, the idea in their minds that, well, if I don't say, yeah, I want to accept this Jesus, then they're not going to give me medicine or they're not going to take my tooth out or whatever. And so we just need to be really careful how we present it to them that we don't uh, manipulate people or create some kind of false expectation because that's not, not going to be honoring to God and not going to be effective in the long run. Um, there are ways around that. You can do the spiritual counseling thing at the end, make it optional, or, or things like that. But just think through that issue because I think it's really important in, in how we do this. But if done well, I think there are a lot of benefits to, to uh, having some kind of spiritual counseling there. Another opportunity is to use the clinic as a way to invite people to some kind of evangelistic service. And you see this a lot on different short-term medical outreach. You have the clinic during the day, and then at night you've got a church service or some kind of evangelistic outreach in the community, and 
you know, invite people back, you know, make relationships with people, the people that you see on the, the trip, you know, as patients, and then have them come back for that. Participating in the local church services that are already going on is another way to be involved in spiritual ministry for your medical team, and that is very important in terms of building unity in the body of Christ and making us a part of what's already going on in that community, that that local church is built up. Because, again, it's that local church that's going to be the minister long after we're gone. So we want to do everything we can to build them up. And a medical team can participate in lots of ways. Um, again, if you have a pastor on your team or other team members who feel comfortable preaching, often you're invited to preach in local churches, and that can be helpful. But, again, it's an opportunity for lots of the different team members to get involved. could be by testimonies. could be by team doing skits or, or songs or, or different things that gets the team involved in that local church. And that can be a real blessing for the team and also for the local church. Another thing that we've done a lot of in various settings is vacation Bible school types of ministry, children's outreach. Uh, Again, many times there's lots of children around and and they're hanging out and a lot of times uh, very interested in what's going on. And you can take advantage of that and have some of your team focused on ministry to the children that are there in the area. And it can be, uh, you know, VBS-type settings associated with the medical clinic. We were in uh, some villages in the mountains outside of Cusco, Peru, in January with the medical team, and and this very thing happened. We were there, and very busy medical clinic, lots of the uh, Quechua people that uh, needed medical care. And some of our team did a VBS with the kids, and that went over really well. And in that night, we were having a showing of the Jesus film. And so they invited all the kids back, and the kids came. And they were the first ones there for the Jesus film. And not only did they come, but they brought mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and their friends. So we had, had a, a good turnout for the Jesus film. But you always got to remember that God sometimes has a better plan. And he had a plan that night because, of course, we have all these people there for the Jesus film, and we have technical difficulties and power difficulties and can't show the film. So one of our team members got up, made a pretty simple presentation of the gospel. And God used that, and the kids were the first ones there to come forward and come to Christ. And that room probably had 120 Quechua in it, and probably about half of them came to Christ that night. And it was a wonderful combination of the people that had been ministered to that day through the medical team and the work that the VBS did and then inviting people back. And God was able to do amazing things through that uh, through his power because of all those things working together so that the ministry is a, a combination of all those things. Doctors, nurses, dentists, therapists, people that are working with patients also have an opportunity to minister one-on-one to the patients. And this is uh, uh, another great way to minister. You're not there just to give medical care, but you want to try to minister to them. Uh, one opportunity is to present the gospel you know, yourself if you're, you're there working with patients. This can be a dilemma for some people in terms of, again, you've got this large group of patients. You're trying to see as many as you can be if there's big crowds. Do you take the time to make a lengthy gospel presentation to every single patient? And most of the time I don't. And I don't because of the fact that I'm confident that we have a team. And just like the church is described as the body of Christ, and each part has its role. You know, if my part on that medical team as a physician is, is seeing the patients and doing the medical care, but I know that I've designed that team to have pastors and local partners doing the ministry, 
then I don't have to feel bad that I don't personally give the gospel to every single patient because I know that there are opportunities in that flow. On the other hand, I have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And there are times when I'm prompted through whatever's going on with that patient in our discussion that, yeah, this is one I need to stop and take that time and, and share uh, specifically with that patient. So it can go both ways, and a lot of it requires sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Just like with doing uh, the presentations to groups of, uh, of patients, um, there are lots of tools that can help you uh, with, with gospel presentations. Another important thing that we can do with patients is pray with them. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think we can offer pretty much every patient. Um, and again, we want to do that in a way that we offer prayer if they want to. Um, we don't want to be coercive or manipulate people in any way because, again, I don't think that honors Christ and doesn't, in the end, give us effective spiritual ministry. But to offer someone and say, hey, can I pray with you before we finish? And most of the time, they'll accept that. In most cultures I've been, most places around the world, they'll accept prayer. Not always, and that's okay, but, but most of the time they will, and that can be just another opportunity. Whether they've yet come to Christ themselves, they, they're happy to let you pray with them, and that can be a great, great ministry opportunity. Um, again, sometimes you can, you know, if you want to have some literature or tracks there, um, some people will find that really effective. Uh, at least, I, what I find really effective is having some copies of the Bible in their language that, for those that I really feel compelled with to go deeper in ministry, we've talked about a particularly hard issue in their life or something, you know, having, having a Bible to share with them can be really helpful. And again, what we've already said, letting the Holy Spirit guide us in, in what we're doing. You know, being open ourselves to what God's doing in that person's life is the most important thing that we can do to, to be effective in, in spiritual ministry with patients. And the last thing always to remember is just our presence and our love and care speaks volumes to people. How we care for people, that we smile, that we're kind, that we're compassionate, that has the most important uh, spiritual ministry that we can do. Famous quote from Francis of Assisi, um, because for medical missionaries, especially if you're working in places you don't know the language, preach the gospel at all times and, and when necessary, use words. But a lot of what we can do can be just in the manner that we treat patients. And um, if we're going there representing Christ, we really have to think about that and, and how we treat people. So that's a really important part. So we've talked about ministry to patients. That other group we really want to think about is the local people both the medical personnel and then also the, the pastors and, and the people in the church. And we found wonderful opportunities to minister to, to medical people. One of our uh, core values and philosophies is that we will never do a medical team in a place that we are not able to work with someone from the local medical community. We have a local doctor, local dentist, someone in the local medical community working alongside us. And that is very important for quality of care issues, but also important in the, the spiritual ministry as well. Um, so we talked about always seeking to incorporate them into our team. And it becomes a great training opportunity in several ways. Sometimes it can be medical. You know, you could be teaching new techniques. Most of the time we're learning from them, especially in areas where we might be encountering tropical diseases that we're not very familiar with in our own setting. So that training is, is a two-way street. Um, but also sometimes it gives us an opportunity to maybe have a time of training with them. Uh, we had a team in uh, Peru uh, last summer, and we happened to be working with a local nursing school. 
And so, you know, we had our medical ministry. And in the last day, we had a half day for some of the nurses on the team to spend time in the nursing school, in the classes. And it was a way for them, again, to do some additional teaching, but also gave them opportunity to present their testimony and present the gospel to those nursing students. And it had a lot of impact because they had already been working together for the week. They'd built relationships. And so we have those kind of opportunities. I've done the same thing with training uh, Christian doctors in places. We'll have a conference about medical missions for the indigenous doctors. We've done this in Peru and had them part of our teams and also training them so that they can go out and, and reach their own people as well. Um, presenting saline solution material to doctors in Peru and different things. So there are great training opportunities when we work with the local personnel. And also a chance the local personnel we work with won't always be Christian. And so then looking for opportunities to present the gospel. Um, this is uh, Dr. Adriana, who's a dentist in Kukwalik, uh, Mexico. And she had uh, grown up with, gone to school with our national partner there, but had a difficult life and, and never had come to Christ. In fact, was living far from Christ. But because of Dr. Black and his ministry working alongside her in the dental clinic that week, uh, when we had our service at the end of the week, uh, she was able to come forward and accept Christ. So it can be a wonderful opportunity to lead not just the patients where they're served, but, but our co-workers uh, to Christ when we do that. And then we have the chance to empower the local church, and that can come in a lot of ways as well. Often we've done conferences for pastors in conjunction with our medical outreach, and that can be really helpful, uh, bringing all the pastors together in a town or in an area. Um, sometimes it's just working one-on-one with a particular pastor. You know, if we have a team pastor it's working with one of the local pastors, that can be really helpful. Uh, one of the needs in many of the places we go is to help the church get a vision for lay ministry. Um, just like we encounter in our churches at home where a lot of people think that ministry is for the professionals, so it's the pastors that do the ministry. And we need to teach people in our church, no, the ministry is for everybody and everyone has a role to play. That same message we need to teach in some of the indigenous churches that we work with. And so getting the lay volunteers in that church to come help with the clinic, to do the counseling, to do the evangelism, to be a part of it, to help our team with all the things that need to come along, again, is a great way to empower that local church to see that, hey, we can do ministry. And we don't even need you guys to come. We can do this when you're gone. And it becomes a great ministry opportunity that will have a long-term impact for the church and the community. And again, that can be especially in the area of evangelism and follow-up. Um, we've talked again about the importance of follow-up in our spiritual ministry. And so when we train locals, um, it becomes a way to keep that ministry going long-term. Now we're going to talk a little bit about ministry to the team. And those of you who have been on teams, uh, hope you've had good experiences and that's helped you to grow. Uh, I'm involved in missions all because of short-term teams. I grew up in a church setting that we, our church wasn't interested in missions, and I barely knew what a missionary was. Uh, but because of an experience in how people ministered to me on a team and on multiple teams, it changed my life, changed my family's life, and, and is why we're where we are today. Um, there are a lot of things that you can do to help prepare your team spiritually pre-trip, and it's really important. Uh, an op- one opportunity is just devotionals, and there's lots of materials out there. People uh, Roots Publications is here at this conference. There are many other people that have publications for helping teams. And, and so it's important that whatever you pick, you have some kind of spiritual preparation for the team. And as a team leader, I know that you know people are busy, and medical people particularly are busy. And so some kind of follow-up to be sure that they're actually doing 
better devotions or the things that you want them to do. And some encouragement from, from the team leaders is really important. Getting people praying for each other is really important. Sometimes teams will be formed with people that don't know each other, maybe from different cities or states. And so by email or phone conference, however you want to do that, getting people to know each other before the trip and getting them started praying for each other long before the trip is really important. And getting people praying for the community you're going to serve and laying that spiritual foundation is really important. Another thing that I really encourage is for the people that are going on a team to raise up a team of people that pray specifically for them and for the team so that you have churches and people praying. And this can become very effective. Probably one of the hardest teams that I've been a part of physically was a team that we took to Bolivia to the Altiplano. And that, if you're familiar with the Altiplano in Bolivia, it's up above 13,000 feet. So it's a really difficult physical environment, just the altitude, and, and although you take medicine and such for altitude sickness, it, it's, it's a tough, tough place. And it was also very tough spiritually. There was a lot of... Uh, a call, a lot of uh, tribal religion, and you can just almost feel it's a really oppressive place for the team to work. And so we had a lot of challenges on that team. Um, but it was also one of the, probably one of the most blessed teams that, that I've been a part of. And we really saw God move. We saw some miraculous healings. We saw a lot of uh, uh, spiritual progress. And it all came down to prayer. Because we had some team members that really took this idea of raising up a prayer team seriously. We had a group that was from the same church down in Alabama, and they raised up their prayer team, and they got their church to develop a 24-hour prayer vigil the whole time our team was there. And so there was someone from that church around the clock, 24 hours a day, the whole two weeks, whatever it was that we were there, praying. And I really think that was the difference on that team. What could have been a really difficult situation was a really big blessing, and it was all because of prayer. So really get people praying for your team. It makes a huge, huge difference. Uh, some teams choose to fast, and it can be I'll pick a day before the trip and everyone fasts, or maybe you have one person fast on behalf of the team. Uh, there's different options, but, but that's another thing that you can really consider that can be a big help. Anything you can do to get the team together. If you're blessed, you have a team that's coming from the same area, then by all means get together in person. Uh, if not, there's a lot of technology now, conference calls, video conferencing uh, on the web, whatever. But, but uh, yeah, have your team start to prepare spiritually before you go. Uh, again, teaching your team uh, to give testimonies, that's something that they can be taught and worked on before you go. It gives them a chance to think about it. Many people don't know how to give their testimony. Someone asks them, you know, even here at home, you know, how did you come to Christ? People don't always know that, and it can be a real blessing to, to teach that, uh, not only for the trip, but for, for their long-term uh, ministry. Teaching people about those culture barriers is very important, and a lot of that can be done ahead of time. And so... Working that into what you, you do in your trip planning is important. While we're on the trip, it's really important that we think about what kind of devotions and things we do together as a team. Uh, working somewhere in your schedule, even though things are busy, time for team prayer together, doing some team devotions is important. And giving different people on the team a chance to share in that can be really important. I think it's also for, for those that are leading the teams, thinking about Having some kind of plan for, for your devotions, maybe you want to cover. Uh, one of the early mission trips that, that I went on in Nicaragua was led by a guy who taught about the poor while we were on this mission trip. And so we were in a situation where we were working with people who were survivors from Hurricane Mitch, which was a really devastating event about 10 years ago in Central America. And 
working in that poverty and seeing that made a big impact on our team. But then each day working through the scriptures to say, here's what God says about our response to poverty as a church, this made that really much more powerful. And so powerful that it led to the church that I was in at the time starting a whole new benevolent ministry because of the people that came home from that team. And so it had a spiritual impact. You know, the team had a spiritual impact in that community, but it also made a difference in the community back home because of the, the experience, but also the thought through of how we can use that to help people grow spiritually and make a difference. So there's a lot of opportunities for that. Um, of course, we've talked about this several times, encouraging people to share their faith. One of my favorite verses is Philemon uh, 1.6. I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And if we, as we give people those opportunities, it's only going to help them grow. Uh, making sure your team gets time for reflection and that you talk about what they're going through, what they're seeing God do each day in the life of the, the people that they're serving uh, makes a big difference in their spiritual growth. Another thing I really um, encourage our teams to do is to journal. Write down what God's telling you. You know, God's opening your heart and your eyes to a lot of different things on this experience. And you're going to get home, you're going to get busy, and you're going to lose all that if you haven't taken the time to write it down and where you can come back and reflect on that. So I'm a big advocate. Um, you know, I'm not much of a journaler mostly in my life, but on mission trips I always try to write stuff down because it makes a big difference in, in how much I, I can grow from that. And then, you know, again, for those leading teams especially, you want to plan a way that your team ends well. That's really important uh, as a tool for helping a team spiritually. Have have a closing time on that team where you come together. Maybe you have communion together or maybe you have a prayer time, a commitment time. Uh, But make that that closing, how you end that team as you're getting ready to come home, meaningful. And then when you get home, follow-up becomes really important, just as it does there on the field for the people we minister spiritually. We want to follow-up with our team. And that actually starts before you come home because you want to let people know what to expect when they get home. Uh, now, it's a real stretch to say that people that go on a short-term mission trip experience culture shock, but there are emotions that come up that, you know, people, things that people have been exposed to even on a short-term trip, and then they come home and they see how things are, and it can cause a lot of uh, emotional distress, and you want to help people be prepared for that and how to handle that. You also want to prepare them for the fact that when they get home, not everyone's going to really care about what they did or what they saw on that trip. And that can be really hard for people. They're all excited about what they saw God do. Everyone else at home has been going through life as normal and, oh, it's good to see you again, but they really don't really care what, what happened on your mission trip. So there's some ways that you can help people to, to prepare for that and to, to teach them how to share their experience in a way that will um, be helpful for the people and for uh, the, the team members. Uh, again, you can use some kind of devotional or some kind of follow-up material, and there's a lot out there for that, for helping people as they come home as well. Um, and it's really important to encourage people to take that next step. One of the criticisms uh, by people who aren't big fans of short-term missions is that it doesn't really seem to result in any lasting change in the lives of people that go. And of course, that's one of the... Uh, reasons that people advocate for short-term missions, advocate for it because of the opportunities to change the lives of not only the people we serve, which is our main target, but it does change the lives of the people we go. Uh, One of the big differences in that, I think, is that the encouragement that we can give people to to take the next steps, that this trip isn't an event. It's just part of your missional journey of 
being on mission with God in your whole life. And there are some next steps that we can encourage people with. Maybe they'll get involved in their church, advocating for missions in the local church. Um, maybe they'll be involved in a new ministry. Um, like the example I gave of creating a ministry to reach the poor in our own city came as a result of a mission trip. Uh, you know, God can speak to people in a mission setting that they need to act on when they get home. Uh, how many people are familiar with the Perspectives course? Um, Perspectives course is a great uh, intro to missions course. It can be actually used as a, a Bible course or even a seminary level course. But it also can be taken at a level just for, for knowledge for people. It's uh, from the U.S. Center for World Mission. You can Google Perspectives and, and find it. And it's put on in very, di- very many different cities around the country. And it's usually not too hard for people to find one in their area. And that's something I really encourage people to take part in if you're interested at all in missions because it will give you a much bigger perspective on what God's doing in the world of missions. And I really encourage people that are involved, even in short-term teams, to come do that. It's called Perspectives. Uh, yeah, they have a booth here, actually, yeah. There's a booth here and one of the exhibit halls, too. But um, it's from the U.S. Center for World Mission, and it's just awesome. Um, Always encouraging people to think about future mission service. Maybe God's calling to them to more involvement in short-term teams. Maybe he's calling them to make a, a deeper commitment in a longer-term setting. But, you know, helping people to think about that and what God's doing for them spiritually is, is really important as we uh, finish up with, uh, with our mission teams. Helping people evaluate their lifestyle. You know, this is a really big issue that, that we confront as we go into other cultures is conferring that fact that what we see in another culture is people that live on much less than we do. You know, when you're confronted with people that live on on less than $2 a day, which is what half the world lives on, and then coming back to America, it really can cause us to evaluate our own lifestyle, our own giving to help those in other places. And uh, we really need to encourage people to think about that and pray about that as they return from a short-term mission experience. Um, we're going to have a, a time for uh, a little bit of uh, time for discussion and questions. We've got a few minutes left. But before we do that, I just want to leave you with a saying that I learned from a, a friend who had an evangelist from India tell him this. And it really encapsulates what we're trying to do in medical missions and what we're trying to do even in short-term medical missions in general and with our spiritual ministry component especially. Uh, he said that as a Christian in missions, you have... One passion, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbors yourself. You have one mission, and that's to make Jesus look good. And you have one vision, and that's to make his name well known. And that's what we're really about in in all of medical missions, short term or long term. And that's the vision that I hope you all leave not just this talk with, but this conference with today. I just want to close this with a prayer, and then we'll have a time for a little bit of discussion before we have to, to wrap up for the next session. Lord, I just thank you for your presence with us uh, today and for all you're doing, not even in just this session, but especially throughout the whole conference and the things we've heard and um, the things that have been shared. And I just pray that you help each of us to, to be able to listen to what you're trying to tell us, that you'll help us to uh, just rekindle our passion for, for serving you and for loving you, that you will... Help us to learn how we can make Jesus look good. And that you'll help us to go from this place to make his name well known uh, among the earth.
just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Does anyone have any questions or ideas or things maybe I didn't cover that you think would be helpful for the group? Or Yeah. Um, the question is, how would a person who's got a pharmacy background and some specialty infectious disease and also a minister fit into a mission trip? Um, there are lots and lots of ways. And it, it would depend a lot specifically on that trip, but certainly pharmacy skills can be used to help with the medicines. Um, the specialty infectious disease might be especially helpful if there were a mission hospital or maybe even a teaching setting, so sometimes that, that can be useful. And then, you know, the, the pastoral aspect of, of ministering both to the team and to the, the national people is there's just all kinds of ways. It's not, not one easy answer, but there's lots of ways for that to fit in. Yeah. There are lots. Um, there are a lot of resources out there for uh, short-term teams in general. Uh, one that we've been using with our ministry this past year is called For You Pack Your Bags, Prepare Your Heart. That's one. Um, and I found that one useful because it kind of covers some spiritual and cultural issues. And I think it's, it's honestly, it's short enough that I think we can get most of our people to actually do it, which these days is pretty important. Um, uh, I think it's Deeper, deeper Roots, Deeper Ends uh, Publications, Deeper Roots. They're downstairs. They've got all kinds of things. Uh, they're very good materials uh, for both pre-trip, on-field, and post-trip stuff. And there are lots of others in the, uh, a lot of other resources out there as well. So there, there are tons, uh, which is very helpful. Yeah? Um, how might this look different in a setting where evangelism was illegal? That is a really good question. And that, a lot comes down to that, that partnership with our indigenous ministry. Now, it could be that if you're in that setting where evangelism is legal, maybe there's not even a national church established yet. And in that setting, I think, you know, if you're working in that setting, what you're mostly focused on, A, prayer becomes very important. Um, not that it's not always important, but, but especially in that setting. Uh, secondly, I think that if we're there to share, or if we're there to relieve suffering and to help the people, then that's what we need to focus on, especially if that's what we've presented ourselves to the local authorities. So uh, we don't want to do anything, uh, you know, misrepresent what we're there, and we need to focus on that. And then it comes down to, to prayer and to how we treat the people. And as we treat the people kindly and, and treat them with the love of Christ, that will, questions will naturally arise. And then I think it becomes, you know, a matter of just being patient, of you know not not being overly aggressive necessarily as an American where we want to just jump in because that can have consequences for the the people that we're ministering to uh, not just for ourselves so we, then in that case we just tread tread lightly but typically if you feel in a comfortable setting and they ask questions especially if it's a one on one setting then 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 we have a little more freedom to share um, but yeah that. And that's really um, important if you're going to prepare yourself for that as a team, going prepared that, yeah, ministry is not going to look the same in a, a closed country, and that we just need to trust God with that and not um, not impose what we think it ought to look like, that, that we 
tread lightly and sensitively. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that in countries like that, I know that we work specifically by uh, teaching the healthcare uh, mm-hmm. nationals mm-hmm. and by using the medical schools, even though they may be secular in mm-hmm. some areas, that, but to use that as an avenue of uh, trust relationship to be built between the missionaries and the secular groups. And actually that opens up a lot of yeah, mm-hmm. windows to the gospel. Yeah, it really does. Um, she was saying that, you know, working with the local uh, uh, medical people in that setting can open up a lot of doors and build trust, and that's very important. And again, patience and following the lead of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you're walking in prayer and in the Holy Spirit, and the Lord specifically says you need to share with this person, you know, do that. But in general, you want to be real sensitive and focus on the relationship building aspect, and then the other will come. Yeah, really important. Yeah. Um, okay, good. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah, One little tip that we found useful in our ministry in the Jesus film um, is it's a long film. It's usually a couple hours. They make a Jesus film for children. And we've actually, most of the places we go, that's what we show. It's shorter. The adults still get it. I mean, it's still very good, but it's just it's shortened down. And just as a practical thing, in most of the settings we go, the, the children's version actually we find really helpful. And it's in, in most of the languages, too. Um, it's Campus Crusade for Christ is the uh, overall, but they have the Jesus Project is what they do that under. So you can find it under either one. Um, yeah, they do have a booth here. She said on the second floor, so good. Yeah. Um, a lot of that just comes down to prayer and uh, sometimes, it, you know, just relationships and connections. Um, but that's really important. It, it can be a long process because, you know, our philosophy is we want to build relationships first. And so we, you know, we've been burned a few times where we have, you know, tried to rush that process. And you just really have to, to look at their fruit. We look for, things we look for are accountability, that they have some kind of accountability structure around them. We try to find out what other people are saying about them. We look for something that's been sustained. So sustainability is important. And then there's evidence that their ministry is actually bearing fruit. And those are kind of the four criteria. And it takes a while to know someone to know about all that. So sometimes we get frustrated ourselves when we're looking for areas for new partners. But we just have to follow that process, and it helps. Thank you you all. We need to wrap up so the next uh, session can get going. But thanks for your attention, and I'll be around for questions afterwards too.